0: Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. It's great to see you, and uh, welcome to church. We have people joining us online from Canada, uh, different places around the U.S. We've got people in Europe, and we've got Australia. G'day. There's a shark in the water out there. Are uh, you Australians? That's all I can say in Australian. Barbie, and all that. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. And we've got Tom and Janetta and family. That's it. Welcome. It is funny, because actually when uh, we had dinner on Thursday night at, uh, at Mother Tugood's house, and it's funny, you know, because you know when, you, cause you, know when you see people in real life, and you, you poke, just to go, they're actually real, you know, it's like, you know what I mean? But he is, he's actually real, like I was kind of, you know, found myself wanting to just go on like that, but that was weird, right, so I stopped it very quickly, because you normally get, a, you get arrested for that kind of stuff over here, but should we have Tom just say hello this morning? Okay, Tom, let's give give him a round of applause. You got a mic? And uh,
1: that's... Don't want to break you. Yeah, you're all right. I just broke that. Hello. Say hi. Hi. Um, Welcome. Let me first say welcome from your brothers and sisters at Nineveh Christian Church, NCC, way in the big metropolis of Nineveh, Indiana. Wow. Wow. We have a four-way stop. Is that it? That's it. <laughs> so, all
0: we want to know over here is do you have Walmart?
1: We do have Walmart. That's
0: okay. That's great. But not
1: in Nineveh. <laughs> we have to drive 50 miles. No, just, just kidding. 11 miles to get to, to Walmart. What a joy. What a blessing it has been to be here um, at Exchange and with our brothers and sisters from Exchange. Um, about six weeks ago, I was like, oh Lord. What if they don't like us? <laughs> what, what, what if we don't get along? <laughs> this is gonna be really awkward. But then the Lord said, I have this covered. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been like coming home to family. We feel at home, we feel loved, Good. welcomed, Good. encouraged. Good. And uh, we just thank you on behalf of Johnetta, uh, Haley, Morgan, and Esther. Thank you for your love and your hospitality. Thank you for opening your hearts to us. And uh, we have truly just been loved on. And uh, just thank you. Hey. And uh, praise God. And man, I'm looking forward to. Being able to amen you in person. <laughs> That's right. So it better be a good one. Oh, it's a belter. It's a belter. <laughs> Is it real crack? It's good, cr- good, crack. good crack. Good crack. Good crack, yeah. Good crack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying anyway. But brother, thank you. Hey, listen,
0: no worries. All right. Isn't it great to see them? Give them a round of applause. <clears throat> and um, if you are, you know, get your get your Bibles ready. We're going to read the Word together. Uh, I, love, um, I, I love week after week whenever, like today is Pentecost Sunday. I'm not going to speak specifically on Pentecost Sunday, but I am going to reference it. I'm going to explain it because some people will probably go, Penta what? And, uh, and we're, we're going to talk about that. But uh, are you ready to receive today? Amen. Yeah, good. Because well, actually when you come to the Word of God, what the Lord says to you is, just open your heart, be open, and allow me to pour grace upon grace into your life. Okay, because you don't need to work today in order to receive a blessing. You don't need to work today in order to feel better. What you have to do is you have to slow and come to the end of yourself and say, Jesus, my eyes are up. I'm going to talk about this today and on you because today I want to talk about um, how we get back to the highest place and uh, because it's been on my mind uh, over the last couple of weeks, you know, we've been talking all week about, uh, about how we see things and how we view things and how that really matters. Yeah, anyone? Yeah, Throw, throw the yeah. pastor a bone here. You know that stuff I've been preaching like every week and you've been going, amen? Okay, brilliant. You remember. Thank you, Tom. And so, yeah. the, the, you remember that stuff? It's interesting, isn't it? Actually, uh, we, we did, we've been doing like the tourist thing for a couple of days, which has been really good fun. Uh, but we did the whole St. Paddy's thing on Friday, which was great. And because uh, you know St. Patrick was a prod? Does anyone, does anyone ever told you that? And... <laughs> St. Patty was a prod. I've got proof of it, because the first church planted was in Seoul, and it's a Church of Ireland. We, we saw the sign, Church of Ireland in Seoul, and so he planted the first Church of Ireland, there you go, and they're prods, so St. Patty was a prod. and so that was a wee joke, and so the thing is, right, but it's interesting when you look at something through the eyes of someone who hasn't seen it before. So I, 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 I you know, we hear St. Patrick all the time over here, don't we? St. Paddy this, St. Paddy that, and that's this church, and... That's where he grew up, and that's where he went to school. That's where he had his first job, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And uh, it's all very normal to us. And then you get these wonderful visitors from the U.S., and they're looking at the same thing that we see all the time, but they look at it with a different view because it's new. Do you get that? What I'm trying to say to you is when we come to the word of grace, some of us need to be careful, all right, that we just don't look at it through the eyes that we've always seen but we're open again to see it again, almost like we've never seen it before or seen it for the first time. Because when you see something for the first time again, there is an excitement about it. There is something that lights up. It made me think about faith, actually. You know how many of us are just a little bit afraid to share our faith, to share the good news of God's grace with people? But actually what we need to understand is that when people see it for the first time, you might've lived with it for years, but when something something is lit up inside of people, so when people see things again fresh, they go, flip me, this is amazing. And you go, I, I look at this all the time. I, I, we drive past Dunluce Castle. How many people have driven p- past Dunluce Castle a hundred times in their life, all right? And then you walk around it with visitors and they're going, this is awesome. We're going, actually, I was going, so it is.
1: It's
0: actually really cool. I was like proper, like, flip me, this country's amazing. Do you know what I mean? Like big and proud about Northern Ireland, Come on. We've got castles and they're going to go and see a boat today that sank. And we're proud of the fact that it sank. <laughs> but you know what? We've got to see it through the eyes. It was fine when it left here, wasn't it? Amen. Just remember that. <laughs> so people from Belfast say Titanic was fine when it left here. Don't know what they did after it left here, but it was all right. <laughs> but I'm just trying to encourage you. I'm trying to encourage you to go, do not, do not grow tired. And do not become blasé about the grace of God because it is the only thing that is ever gonna bring you anything worth anything in your life. Lots of anythings in that sentence because I'm excited and running out of words. But let's not grow tired and let's not become grace whatever, all right? The grace of God is the good news. It is the gospel and there's no other message. You take your chances. You see, many of us are not gonna fall right back under law because we're not that stupid. But the worst place to be is in a mixture between law and grace. That's the worst place to be. Because one nullifies the other. And actually hearing about the goodness of God but feeling like you need to earn it is is a shocking place to be. You become a condemned sinner in the hands of an angry God no matter what you do, never being able to please him. And so today, my prayer for you is grace upon grace on you. So that you can receive the word, you can hear the word, and that something it, uh, something would light up in you. Is that okay? Is that good? Yeah. Because it, there, there's um, the, the, there's a few verses I'm going to use today, uh, because I was um, I was thinking about um, there, there's lots of things that have gone off in my head. But uh, do, you, do you know when a plane takes off? I, I used to I wanted to be a pilot. Did I ever tell you that? I know it was a wee thing when I was a kid, right? I wanted to, I also wanted to own a Putten Green and be a taxi driver, and, and a snooker haul. There was lots of things that I wanted, but I really wanted to be a pilot, okay? And you let me preach every week. Are you crazy? All right. But you know what? There, there needs to be a greater pull in you than what is pulling you back. Because you know when a plane is taking off down a runway? I was thinking about this. It's like, you know, the, the, do you ever feel like the desire to, you know what it talks in the Bible to be up and to be high? and to almost be above life and above the stuff. It's that pull upwards, you know, like an airplane. But what's interesting about an airplane is that there's a a force called gravity, which is always pulling it back. And I want to tell you, every time you start to receive grace in your life and you start to want to soar, there will be things that will pull you back to earth, will always be pulling back and tugging back on you. And it's only when the power of God's grace in you becomes greater than that which is pulling you back do you start to soar. And it's not that God needs to pour out his grace today. You know, it's not that God needs to lavish his grace on you. He has already done that. But what we do is we get two things mixed up all the time. The first is our position, and the second is our condition. And when we get position and condition mixed up, what happens is we allow the pull of our thinking, our past, or the condemnation that still sits in us at times, and we allow that to pull us back because we, don't, we have forgotten that our position is actually up here. It's not down here. And when, let, let me explain to you, you know, it's your position today. You know that all the way through the Bible, and particularly Paul, he uses this expression, you are in Christ, yes. in Christ, all right? And we, we, we kind of hear that and go, well, what does that actually mean? Well, let me explain it, okay? In Hebrews 10, 11, 4, 11 through 14, it says, day after day, priest, uh, priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin, all right? So the picture is here, as you know, is the priest in the, in, in the, in the temple standing as the, 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 um, the, the in-between, the, the person who stands between God and the people, and he's offering sacrifices, and they offer the same things, okay? Day in, day out, 24-7, it never stopped, but it was never enough, it could never take a. It could never deal with it, the problem, but this priest, okay, offered for all time one sacrifice for sins. This is a picture of Jesus. He sat down. Sitting down is what a position of rest. All right, puts himself into a position of rest at the right hand. Right hand meaning the place of authority. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made a footstool. For by one sacrifice, now listen to this, because this is where this is where we get it mixed up. For one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So he's perfect. Like, how, how can it be both? How, how can he have made you perfect forever and yet you're still being made holy? Okay? We, we, that, that's a tricky one, isn't it? That's where most believers go, oh, yes, you know what, brother? That's why you need grace, but not too much grace. You need, you know, it's fine to preach, but just don't go overboard. And actually, what I want to say is like, the truth of it is this, okay? Your position is that you are perfect forever. You can't improve on perfect. Do you get that? The word here, perfect, in the Greek means perfect. <laughs> there you go. All right. You know what's really disappointing as a preacher when you look stuff up and you go, I wonder what that means? It's going to be some deep word and just goes perfect. And you're like, ah, stuff it. All right. So, so <laughs> do you know what I mean? And then you, then you go, right, I've got to, I've got to. I've got to not look for something cool. I just have to let the revelation of perfect be bigger in my heart, all right? So what the Lord is saying to you today is in your position, it doesn't get any better than this. He's not waiting to do anything more in your life. Do you get that? Oh, someone tell your faces that this morning, will you? (laughs) Your position is perfect, absolutely perfect. And your condition is being made holy. Don't confuse the two because your condition is being transformed, growing into the likeness of Jesus, having your thinking transformed. But one thing is absolutely perfect. You need clarity here. Why? Because clarity will bring you confidence to live every day in the goodness of God. Your condition will never affect your position in Christ, but your position in Christ absolutely changes your condition every day. Amen? Amen. Amen. Good. Because this is where we, we need to have our thinking shifted, our condition is being made holy, being transformed daily by the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of grace. And, you know, on, on Pentecost Sunday, this is an important word. Let me tell you, because actually the, the, the call, you know, that, that, that's what—that's actually what it means to repent. Do you know that? So let me tell you, positionally in Christ, all right? And in, in actually in Ephesians 1 verse 3, it says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So every blessing that is in Christ, if you're also in Christ, every spiritual blessing is yours. Amen? Amen. And so what we have to do, we need to repent. And uh, I was thinking, because Pentecost I had all these words of of pent. You You know, it goes off in your head goes off mine anyway. So I start to go, let me help. So we all know what the word means, don't we? It is a preacher thing, isn't it? It's like, what does that mean? Let's go down. It's like the, the Wikipedia of the, the preacher's life. You start to look at something. You know in Wikipedia, you start to look at things like, who was your man? And then half an hour or three hours later, you're, you're reading about the Russian Revolution. And then you go from there <laughs> to nuclear fishing. And then to like... Irish rugby in 1923. It's like, how did I get, because you just go down this big rabbit hole. Well, well people who teach will do that. I, I, so I was getting into this and I was thinking, Lord, how, how do we stop, like tomorrow in real life, how do we stop confusing position and condition? Because if we can have our minds transformed to what it means to be in Christ, then every blessing flows to us. When we mix up the condition, with the position, then what happens is we live in condemnation and a continual spiral of I'm not good enough amen. because my condition on any day is up and down like a fiddler's elbow, amen? Yes. And there's better for us. And actually the Lord said, Andrew, on Pentecost Sunday, we, you need to teach repent. And I said, Lord, they know that, flip me. This is the ABCs of faith. And so I started to break down the word. It's so interesting because I saw something much I hadn't seen before. So the word meta it's two words, repentance, right? The first, we know it's metanoia, so let's break it down. Meta means changed after being with. Like literally, after being with, you're changed. And the second word is noio, which means to think, right? And it means pr- I, I think literally that. So properly, when you put these two things together, I think differently after being with. Does that make sense? Now hold this in your head because it's interesting. I think differently after being with. And then the Lord said, well, what does pent mean? Well, do you know in English, we don't take the same derivation that we do from Greek, right? Because pente in Greek is about 50th, Mm -hmm. but it's not the same here in English. So the, the word that we use is a different word and it's derived from old English. And do you know what it means? It's so cool. It means the highest place. means the highest place. So a pent roof today, there's an apex roof and there's a pent roof. I didn't even know this, right? And so what the Lord is saying to you today is this, is like, we need to go and we need to have our thinking. We need to think from the highest place, which is the position of heaven. Do you get that? Because when you're in Christ, you need to think from that place not from down here to repent means think again, look at it again from the highest place, from the position of Christ seated at the right hand in a place of authority, and think from there. Amen. That's good because that helps us then to go, you know. So, this whole thing of that, that's why penthouse do you get it in English? What's a penthouse? It's the very highest place, isn't it? It's the top, it's the best. It's the one that everyone desires, isn't it? You don't wanna be stuck on the first floor with a view over the bins, right? <laughs> you know when you go to a hotel and you go, hope our room's really good. And you open the curtains and you're looking over a big steam vent, right? And all the people from the kitchen having a fag outside. <laughs> and you go, seriously, I paid 125 pound for this? Are you serious? It's like faulty towers. What do you expect to see out of your hotel? Well, I want to see wildebeest flying across the plain, the hanging gardens of Babylon, all that stuff. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to see the chef having a fag and then wiping his hands like that and going back in. That's not what I want. Get me to the penthouse. Why? Because from the penthouse, I can see it all. And what happens when you're up high? Your perspective changes Your view, you don't see from the penthouse what you see from the first floor. Because from the first floor, you see the piping and the mess and everything else that goes in at ground level. And Jesus says, you're in Christ. Get your thinking up from the view of heaven and you're in the penthouse. Think again about your life. Amen. Good. Because there's in that, your highest place is your position in Christ. Colossians 3 1 says this If you have been raised with Christ, seek what? The things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Where do we set our minds according to this? Set your minds on things that are above, not the things that are on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God you know, I, I think this is a, let, let me try to move quickly to some application on this. What does this mean tomorrow morning? Well, for me, what it means is this. The question that we need to ask ourselves, and I want you to ask yourself the same question too, is when, whenever the feelings come, and my goodness, they will come, won't they? Mm. Like, oh no, right. oh my goodness. Oh, p- pardon me, it's like the Waltons here, sorry. Thomas. Yeah. like... <laughs> They get up and they, good morning, John boy, and they all high-five each other around the table, yeah, yeah, yeah. sing kumbaya, and flipping all the rest of it, right? But if you're normal and not weird, if you're normal, um, what you'll find is that that stuff will come. And that stuff is just, don't deny the feeling, but just be aware that all it's doing is showing you at what level you're thinking. Because when the Spirit of the Lord comes on Pentecost, what did Jesus say in John 14:6? John 15, John 16, all the way through there. He kept saying, I'm truth. When the Spirit of the Lord comes, I will guide you into truth. Talking about himself, aletheia. I am the way, I am the truth, I am aletheia. The Spirit of the Lord will come, he will guide you into aletheia. All right? So when you ask the Spirit, you know, it's it's great to go, you know, shouting and declaring and bawling and getting on, that's fine. But you know what the prayer of tomorrow morning is? Lord, show me Jesus today. Show me the truth of Jesus and the position that he sees from. I found this one. We went up Sleeve Patrick, which is where there's a massive statue of St. Patrick. I think Sleeve is kind of over egging it, to be honest. It's like a hill, but never mind. It's probably for short sleeve. It's definitely for the tourists. Sleeve Patrick makes it sound amazing. So here's the thing, and it was amazing. But do you know what I found? I don't know. Has anyone ever been up there? Well, you guys have, right? <laughs> Isn't it amazing that the only like, <laughs> guest in the room is the one, you should go up there because you, you have this unbelievable panorama of County Down and beyond. It's, it's incredible. I mean, it really is a 360. It's incredible. And I loved it. I was like, this is absolutely incredible. And it's funny that um, you know, this picture, I, I just, because I knew what I was going to be preaching today and I had this picture of just going, I, I need to continually put myself in a place where I have a different perspective. Because when I'm down there, I can't see everything that's going on. But for when the Lord's sitting, grace upon grace in my life, he goes, come up and look at it the way that I look at it. Mm -hmm. Set your mind into that place. Because I am seated at rest. Every blessing is yours. I am not fussing or fighting or getting on. The battle's not yours, the Lord says, it's mine. So will you just come up and look at it from this point of view? Will you see it the way that I see it? Because you will be amazed at the difference in perspective that you see the same stuff, the same stuff that we live with every day from a different perspective is transformed. See it from the highest place. And the highest place is always what Jesus says about it. What he says about you, what he says about your mind, what he says about your body, what he says about your future, what he says about your finance is the highest place. You don't get any that's your position. Don't let your condition rob you of that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Good. The, um, the, uh, it's interesting when it says you, you, you've died and your life is hidden. Uh, that, that word is apothenesco. It occurs about 111 times in the New Testament. And what what happens is it, when it says, you know, if, if we read that again, if we put it, uh, those verses up again, Colossians 1, 3, 1 it says, set your minds on things above, not the things that are on the earth, okay? And it goes on to say why. Because the very next word goes, that, that word apothnesco stresses the significance of the separation that always comes with divine closure. Let me say that again. It separ- stresses the significance of the separation that comes with divine closure. It stresses the end of what is former to bring in what naturally follows that is so cool do you know what that means when it says like set your mind on things above why because when you have the perspective of the highest place which is what Jesus in the place of grace right absolutely what happens is it's it it stresses that what has come before has been divinely closed so that something new may follow do you get that? But if you don't get that perspective, you're always going to be living with what has been. And you're never going to let faith rise in you of what grace can do for your future. So that's why the Lord says, set your mind up, look up. What is it from my perspective? Because I have divinely closed yesterday so that you can move into tomorrow. And do you know what divinely closed means in that apothonesco? It means it was his work for you. You don't have to do anything to allow the Lord just to draw a line to say, the past is the past. It is done. It is not coming back. You are forgiven. Now go, just like every story that people have ever encountered Jesus. So just go and live and enjoy the goodness of God. Mm -hmm. Now this thing of separating the past into the future is really important, particularly today. How are we doing today? Okay, we're doing okay? Is anyone feeling encouraged? You're really quiet this morning. Is it all right? Brilliant. Amen. I am. I'm only getting warm. This is my introduction. (laughs) So it's interesting. Ephesians 2 6 7 says, and he raised us up again, perspective up, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, now listen, there's a whole sense of higher perspective, which is about closing yesterday so that you can move into tomorrow. Do you get that? That's what perspective does. So many of us are casting demons out of everything, casting and praying over this, that, and the other. And the Lord says, no, 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 listen, that's my work. You just get your eyes on me, get your perspective up, and you know what you have to do in that? You've got to see the perspective of Jesus. You won't get it from your friends necessarily. You won't get it from, you've got to go to the word and say, Jesus, reveal yourself to me in this. Be a studier of the perspective of heaven. What is it? See whatever you're struggling with. There's no point in taking three days this week to worry about it without going to the word first and saying, what is your perspective, Lord? What is your truth in this? What do you say about that? What does grace say when it writes itself on my story? How does it change me from this place to this place? What does it say about yesterday and what does it say about my tomorrow? That's what, that's the way it works anyway. So he says this, and so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable wretches of of his grace and kindness towards us. I love this. Why why, why does the Lord say go to the highest place tomorrow? Why? So that, because in the highest place, he can show you immeasurable grace. You don't get a measurable grace anywhere else other than in the perspective of Jesus seated at the right hand. You can't mixture your way into it. It is Him and Him alone. Amen. Amen. What, what would your life be like this week if you took five 10, f- 5, 10, 15 minutes a day just to say that when the feelings come and the anxiety or the worry comes? If you were in that moment to slow down and say, "Jesus," from the perspective of heaven right now, what does this look like? Mm-hmm. when you go, "Oh, gee whiz!" Not that I would do that, only after I've been to the gym with <laughs> with Iron Man here, right? About that? Yeah. I thought I'd give him a couple of weeks' break, because he was definitely shown up when I was with him last time. <laughs> That's it. I've been at the gym. I haven't seen you, though. And, uh, <laughs> I'm such
1: a liar. Such a liar. We, we didn't see him at all.
0: This <laughs> no, no, listen, that's right. Too, too busy in his bed sleeping. And uh, it's, it's, let me um, just, because when, when I was thinking about that verse where it says there is a divine closure on that which was yesterday, you, you have died and now your life is in Christ, the place, that higher perspective. I started to go, well, Lord, like to, I started to look at some verses which are really, really um, well-known. And I felt like the Lord saying to me, this is what happens. You will stand in awe and be amazed whenever you put the perspective of heaven first in everything in your life. Whenever you're continually repenting, rethinking, the change that comes after the after bit is the encounter of God's grace. What happens after you encounter God's grace and you have this go go to the highest place? Then what happens is amazing. Let me let me read it to you. Um, just so that you know, actually, in, in Pentecost today, for those who aren't sure, there, there's something. I'll try and if I have time, I'll get to this at the end. It it, it symbolises deliverance or freedom from a burden. So in the Old Testament. Uh, Particularly, God commanded that every fiftieth year, uh, it was was called the Day of Atonement. That a jubilee was declared, and there was a trumpet sound. You read about it in Leviticus 25. And what happens is, it, it was about, you know, all debts being settled. You know, every all the inheritances returned to their rightful owners. Like you need to be thick not to see the actual imagery here, okay? All debts are settled. Everything that was your inheritance, remember. Originally, our inheritances was to walk this earth in the, in the favor of God, in the presence of God. All of that is returned to the rightful owners. Those who worked as slave laborers to repay debt were granted freedom and were able to go back home. I mean, I mean this imagery is beautiful, isn't it? It's rich. I'm not preaching on it today, but you know, for those who have worked and slaved in order for freedom, the Lord says, let me give it to you. Now go home, back to heaven, a perspective of heaven, right? And lastly, it's about, you know, in, in the New Testament, there's this word pente, means 50th. And so it's, it's, it's actually the Feast of Weeks so or first fruits. And God pours out his, his spirit on 120 believers who become the first fruits. That's why it was poured out in the first fruits, uh, you know, the first fruits of, a new, of new people who would be renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, what happens today for me is that I, I go, like, sometimes what I think is I think that, when, particularly on days like today, there'll be a lot of teaching around receive the Spirit of God. And it's almost like we have separated out Jesus, His Holy Spirit, and God the Father, right? right. So it's almost like I have Jesus, but I need the Holy Spirit to do anything. Remember, the Holy Spirit is is God. Yes. And what He does is He reveals Jesus. Yes. His ministry is to reveal Jesus. He doesn't have a ministry of His own. Right. There's not a ministry of And I grew up in this, and I didn't realize that actually what the Holy Spirit was meant to do was meant to show me Jesus in ever unfolding glory, to guide me into who Jesus is and what his work is. And so what's really interesting is, and that's the perspective of heaven, you see, because Jesus is in the place of authority at the right hand. And so what happens is, whenever, let, let me talk about this, whenever we go to that highest place, and we go, there's grace upon grace in that place. The Spirit of the Lord will just continually show you Jesus and show you how to close the past to move into the future. And the Lord said to me this week, you will stand and be amazed at what happens in your life. This is good news for somebody today. Do you want to be amazed at what God can do in your life? Do you want to stand at the end of this year and go, holy smokes, it had to be God, because I am a buck agent, but he was able to do it? Anybody? Well, I can tell you, most of you are buck agent, so this has got to be your prayer. If this your prayer, then you're in trouble. If you're gonna st- think you're gonna get to the end of the year and go, wasn't I really good? Look how brilliant I was. You're gonna be sorely disappointed because let's have a look at what happens. Isaiah 43, okay, 15 through 19, I am the Lord. Now, th- this was written, just let me tell you, this was written, these are really well-known verses, but there's five things which make up a picture of grace in them. And this is about your life being hidden, new perspective, sat at the right hand, and divine closure. The Lord says, in that place, I do a new thing okay? And so w- what is it? I, th- this bit of Isaiah was written to the children of Israel when they were stuck between the past, which was slavery, and their future, which was freedom. Do you get that? So this whole bit of Isaiah, forty three fifty five is written. And what, what the Lord was saying is that they're, they're almost midway through exile. Does that make sense? So there's a, a, an exile going on here. And uh, it's actually the, the Babylonian exile, right? So they're, 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 they're still halfway on this journey back to freedom. Does anyone ever feel like that? Anyone yeah. feel like you're halfway? Yeah, you're right. I'm always halfway. Yeah. Like I, I'm never quite there, but I, I know that I'm not there anymore, Lord, because you, you, you saved me and I'm, and I'm in grace, but I'm flipping not here. Right. Anybody? Yeah, okay, so this is great news for you. This is why he says, get the perspective of heaven. I've got a few minutes just to explain it. I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator, of Israel, the creator of Israel, your king, says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, He brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick, talking about the chariots and armies and things that pursue you. Remember not the former things, Rem- remember not the former things, nor consider... Things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So, what happens from the perspective of heaven is is everything changes. You don't change it, but when we're mindful and our eyes are set on Jesus and Jesus alone, He starts to do incredible things. When you're stuck, When you're in the middle and you go, I know I'm not there, but Jesus, I want to be here. And he speaks right in and says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now you've got to receive this in faith this morning. I can preach it at you all day long, but there's something in your heart that needs to go, Lord, that is my word for today. That is your word for my family. That is your word for my situation. That is your word for my work. That is your word for my mental health. That is your word for my future because he has brought divine closure you died, divine closure has been brought about and you've been separated now into your, into your future. And in that future, the Lord says, it's something new. That's right. It's something new. Let me, let me read it. There's five things here. Number one, and you'll never rely on law to receive these promises. You'll never rely on mixture to receive these promises because it just nullifies the grace to receive them and the faith to receive them. He says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. And I wanna declare this prophetically over you today because you've probably heard it so many times, but we see a call here to see grace again. And if you're tired, if you're stuck, if you're weary or if you're anxious or if you're worried, if you're fed up, if you're looking for something else, okay? he says, listen to me, behold, have a look again and stand in awe and be amazed at what I'm going to do in your life. Because in verse 15, he says, I am the Lord, number one, I am the Lord. He says Yahweh, he uses the word Yahweh, the the ultimate name of God, right? He says, it's the proper name of God, if you like, in Hebrew. It's the name above all names, the king above all kings, the God of all gods. There are lots of gods that try to take up residence in our lives, functional gods that promise everything and deliver nothing. And honestly, from the perspective of heaven, what happens is we see one God, we see his name is Jesus, and he's the King of Kings. And he says, Behold, look only one place for what you need, and look for it in Jesus. If you're chasing around and running around, and even in the church, we, we see this happen what does such and such say, and what does Pastor such and such say? Honestly, get behold Jesus for yourself, Amen. right? Amen. In those moments, something happens because your promise starts and ends with Jesus. Whatever your question is, the answer is Jesus. There is no greater rock that you can stand on than the finished, perfect work of Christ. Why? Because every promise is unshakable. In verse two, he says this. He's stating that you can trust him. He says, Thus says the Lord, right? who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. What, th- this is about something that's impossible when I read this. Like you can look at these stories in your own life, but what he's doing is he's calling back memory to go, you know what? Like everything in your life that was impossible in the natural was never an issue for me in the supernatural. The Lord says, whenever you behold me from a supernatural place, the perspective of heaven, when you're in that place, mindful of Jesus and his grace, what will happen is things that right now overwhelm you because they seem absolutely impossible in the natural. The Lord says, from the perspective of heaven, I took all of the chariots, all of the things that pursued you and came after you, all the things that threatened to overwhelm you and supernaturally, I can move and deal with every one of them just like I've done before. Because the impossible is not impossible from the, from the view of heaven. From a natural view, it's gonna overwhelm you. If you feel overwhelmed and you feel uptight, where's your view? Because what the Lord says here is in this place, I, I think it's brilliant. I've done the impossible before. And do you know what? I'm gonna do the impossible again. Why? Because the Lord only knows how to deal in impossible. When it comes to you and me, it's all the thing he knows because we're not possible really of anything, are we? Are you possible of something? Maybe for five minutes, then you fall flat on your face and feel like a failure. And God says, no, 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 look up. I'm going to remind you that your whole life is a supernatural testimony to the goodness of God. It's a supernatural testimony to the grace of God. It's a supernatural testimony to the the absolute undying promise of God. And if I've done it before in your life, I'm going to do it again. Oh my God. Yes, do you hear me? That is a word. Flip it right, it is. Then he says, yes, remember not the former things. You've died, you've been separated from, poof. Yes. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Yes. I'll do it again, the Lord says. I'll do it, I'm gonna do a new thing. What I love about grace is it says today is a new day. Don't be sentimental about days gone past, honestly. When the Lord says, from the perspective of heaven, what happens is from the highest place in that bit of thinking, faith starts to lift and rise in us for tomorrow. He references this deliverance out of Egypt, and that was a big thing, delivery from slavery. But he says, this is even bigger than that. They remembered the deliverance out of Egypt. And you know what? 700 years have passed here, so he's now talking about Babylonian slavery and the, the, the thing about the temple and restoring the land and all the rest of it. But they're stuck, right? Verse 19 says, I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. What does that mean? You know, they were cornered. Let me just say this and I'm going to finish. When they fled Egypt and they went towards the sea, they were absolutely cornered. The mountains met the sea right in front of them. And so the implication is there they couldn't see a way through. Migdal actually was behind them. It was a, a military fortress, a military town, a military post. And so they could always look back and see Egypt coming towards them. So that's fine, but I've got no way forward. I've no way forward. I have no way back. I'm stuck right in the middle. So what happens is, what does Moses do? He raises his staff. What does the staff signify? Authority. And he stands. He stands in authority in a place where he's stuck with the perspective of heaven. Why? Because Moses lifted up. That's That's what the perspective of heaven looks like. You'll hear the Lord say, lift it up. Authority. And he stands there. The wind starts to blow and the wind keeps blowing, and it starts to happen. Do you know what roads talk about in the Bible? He says, I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Roads in, in the Bible are, are, are always used as a picture of possibility, miracle, and new experience. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. It's really interesting. When it's, I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Wilderness is barrenness, okay? Desert means a lack of fruitfulness. When the Lord says, I make a way, the picture is always about possibility, miracle, and new experience. And when he says rivers in the desert, right? Rivers flow downwards, okay? And in mountain passes, a road will normally follow a river. I'm gonna have to paint this picture for you. Let me tell you this, right? In deserts, the Lord says, I'm gonna make a way. It's always possibility, and miracle. In the natural, a river flows down. And it nearly always in, in the land, I don't know if I've mentioned I've been to, to Israel, but what you'll find is yes. fascinating. Things flow down. And, and so rivers, will, what, what would normally cross a river, right? Would be um, a pick, like, a, like a road. Do you know what I mean? So roads would normally cross. You'd have to get across the river. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? So the picture is this. When it, whenever the rivers speak of God's provision flowing down, Cutting across the road of your life to open up new possibilities and new miracles. So what happens is whenever there's a flow of grace for you on the journey. So whenever he spoke this, I will make uh, wilderness and rivers in the desert. They had this picture because it always flows down, right? And it always flows down to the point where you are traveling the road of your life and God's provision always meets you where you are traveling. That's the picture of I'll make a way in the desert. Yeah. Come on. Isn't that amazing? I love it. Uh, there, there's lots more I can say on that, but I'm, I'm, I don't have time. So roads normally follow the river. The river speaks of provision and the picture is that God opens up new paths. There's always a river of provision within it. That's Ezekiel 47, that's point four. A picture of a river of water that flowed from the temple, the place of God's presence and everything that it touches comes to life touching dead things, sin, sickness, poverty, depression. And the last thing he says this is, do you not perceive it? Do you, do you know what? Are you receiving this this
1: morning? Yes. 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 Yes.
0: Come on. Gordon, because the last thing he goes, do you not see it? Do you not receive it? Do you not see it again? That's, it. in that place, of the right hand getting our thinking up again to the highest place to the penthouse the Lord shows you how one thing is separated divinely closed it leaves you in the middle and the Lord says let me show you what I speak when you feel like you're stuck behold I'm doing a new thing behold I'm doing a new thing in the place in the middle from the perspective of heaven there's faith for tomorrow amen Amen. does that make sense Close your eyes and let me pray for you. Mark and the guys could come up and be great. Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for grace upon grace. Today, Father, we thank you that you are speaking over us today. And for people watching online, people in this room, Father, we thank you that your word over us is behold, I'm doing a new thing. Father, for everyone who feels stuck, who feels like, well, I'm not where I was, even physically, I'm not where I was, but I'm not where I need to be. And I know that I'm in the gap, Lord. I thank you that what you do is you minister in that place from the highest perspective we know, which is the finished work of Jesus. And you say, I'm doing a new thing in you. I I just pray over every heart right now, a revelation of Jesus, a revelation of the finished work of Christ. I pray right now, Lord, unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor would grow in our mind, that we would perceive it and see it. Holy Spirit, what you'll do tomorrow is you'll guide us. You'll show us in those moments where our thinking is on the first floor instead of the penthouse. And you'll call us up again, Lord, not to condemn us, not to make us feel rubbish, not to say we're failing, but to say, lift up your heads and behold. Look, behold means to cast your gaze and give your fixed attention to. Behold the King of Kings. Lord, I pray that right now, even for some people in this room, the situations that have come to mind as the word has gone out today, that Spirit of the living God, you would show them from the perspective of heaven, the highest place, what that looks like through grace, where grace changes, where grace transforms. Father, we speak today and just release your people from the burden of performance from the mixture of having to try. And I pray, Father, that instead of that, there would be a revelation of Jesus, a revelation of his grace. Allow the Holy Spirit just for a number of moments. We're not going to rush past this moment. You might even feel the Lord saying, well, Flip, you, you have been looking at this. From the, wrong, from the wrong view. But he's lifting your head up to go, where do you see what it looks like from up here? Where do you see this? It's going to blow your mind. You'll not even be able to understand it. You'll not even be able to take it all in. From my view, the Lord says, it's all new. So on this Pentecost Sunday, Lord, we thank you That all, all, every blessing, Holy Spirit, that you come, the power of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Jesus. And Father, we don't want to get that wrong. We want to say, Holy Spirit, show us Jesus in a new way, a fresh way. We want to perceive differently, Lord. And all God's people said, amen. Stand to your feet, and we're going to worship the Lord together as we worship are you encouraged yes good good we uh, are going to take our offering as well it's part of our worship and we encourage you to be generous in your giving now listen to me don't rush past this okay um you never hear about money in this church before you've heard about Jesus. Always Him first, because He's your source. He's your provider. He's the one where, that it all flows from. And your giving matters. Your position is absolutely secure, right? Sometimes our condition of fear and anxiety and worry about provision in the future can drive us into behaviors and patterns of thinking which are just not helpful and keep us locked and 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 keep us locked in in old thinking that the lord said he separated us from and so that's why we give we give because not only is it it's about into the the vision of god's grace that we can keep doing what we do and see the, the god's grace go you know into the into the world into indiana for goodness sake and Bowie and flipping canada and australia and all those places right and that's what the Lord does. He takes what you give him in the natural and supernaturally blesses it. But also for you, there's no, there's, look, the Lord will love you whether you give or not. He's not going to love you any less. Okay. It may change how you love him and you experience him, but he's not going to change his love for you. So don't be under any guilt, but get a revelation of generosity, a revelation of Jesus saying to you today, I'm doing a new thing in you and providing for you. Amen. So that's why we give.